These are really good. Uh, are you prepared? Are you ready? You know, ready for that symphony of slipping and sliding and sloshing all about. I heard all these laughs and groans as these cars were turning. And you've been in those kind of situations before, right? And you can be prepared and ready, but sometimes you can even be prepared and ready and not even recognize that underneath some of the snow is some of the slipperiest ice that you could come upon. I had that happen this last Wednesday. We have a six noon and six prayer times. And so I was here for the 6 a.m. one. And at the end, we get done about 7 a.m. And it's still dark outside, 7 a.m. That's just not right. And I go to leave to get into my car out here. And I did one of those full body back flips onto my right onto my back. And I was going, thank God. You know, you kind of check everything, make sure you don't break anything. Thank God that that um, that wasn't worse. You know, you can you can prepare. And we talked last week of preparation, but there's also this other part of recognizing. The the ability to see and perceive and to 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 understand those seasons, those times, those moments when God shows up and you just see the glory and you go, wow. They can be small and they can be large. That's what we've been talking about last week. We talked about that preparation, the the need to be prepared so that as you move into the presence of God and you experience God, you have those opportunities to be prepared to meet God, to actually be wowed by God so that you can carry that presence to other people. Because the greatest present is the Christmas presence. It's this birth that comes with God Humbling himself, entering into history and making himself known. But as we talked about last week, the greatest thing is that he left, Jesus did, and gave his Holy Spirit. So we carry that presence with us everywhere. So now I want to talk about recognizing it. You have the Spirit of God in you. If you've opened your heart and you're leaning and trusting and, and, and understanding your need of him. The conditions are right probably in your life for God to show up, for God to give you wow moments. But the question is, are you going to see it? Will your heart be tuned to it in a sense? In my heart, I have this, this desire and, and it's kind of said in, in those words that you hear sometimes in, in, in songs about keeping your heart tuned. Well, one thing you think about the single most glaring, greatest Oversight when you think of Christmas and the Christmas stories is just how many people missed it, right? God had prepared over time through prophecies, through symbols and signs and scripture, a people, a world for his coming. And my guess is in many of your situations, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey, but in your faith journey, God is always in this process of of preparing us and getting us ready so that we can live within the recognition of his presence. Some of you may be in a place where you you just never even um, open your heart and and stepped into that faith. And God is waiting for you to, to make that step of faith so that he can show up in your life. But this isn't just about the Christmas story. It's seen throughout the story of the people of God throughout the Bible. Moses sees a burning bush and he actually almost walks by it. Samuel hears the voice of God and he mistakes it for the old priest, Eli. 
Saul sees the talents of David, but fails to see the spirit of God in David. And as I think of this morning and what I want to kind of get us to think about is how often do you, do I walk by, live in, look at, hear, and even touch in a sense the presence of God, but possibly missed recognizing it. That opportunity in your spirit to go, wow, that was God. Hebrews 3 says this today, if you hear the voice of God, don't, don't let your heart get hardened. Be soft. And in chapter 3, he says that in chapter 6, he says, be careful. Some of you who have enlightened, you've been able to see and, and you've tasted, in a sense, this heavenly gift. You've shared the work of the Holy Spirit, the goodness of the Word of God, seen the powers around you of the coming age. Be careful that even though seeing it, you don't let it become part of your life. Isaiah alerts God's people who are in captivity, and and they were a people who had been taken from Jerusalem, and and they had been brought to Babylon, and they're there in Babylon, and they're in this kind of despairing state, and they're looking at their God, and they're thinking about all the wonderful things God once did, and they're, they're holding on to that, and at a certain point, God kind of grabs them and says, you know what, I want you to look, I want you to see what I'm doing. So in in, in the Message Bible, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16, he says, this is what God says, the God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves. This is referring back to the Exodus, what happened years before. The God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Here are the people, their memory of the good old days at one point when God seemed to work. They're in captivity like they're in captivity today. They're holding on to that. And God says to them, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Kind of let go. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. And and the idea of bursting out, he translates that way. It's this idea that it's springing forth kind of like, you know, in the spring when you see those little, there's a little bursting forth of of this flower. You just, sometimes you just walk by it because you don't even see it. And he says, it's just bursting out. It's starting to sprout forth. Do you see it? The question he asks is, do you see it in your life? Do you see those places where God's at work? And it may not be big and glorious like it once was, but it can become that way. It can become something really where you can go, wow, God, I can't believe that this little thing that you were doing. Because we are people that I think kind of tend to miss the presence of God. Because we don't keep our hearts tuned. And so I want to ask you, as we think about this today, there's some things you can do to keep your heart tuned that you can recognize and move into the presence of God. Isaiah says it in this way, get your eyes off your past. You have to let go of the glory days of old. They're not coming back, is what he's saying to them. Doesn't mean I'm not coming, but they're not coming back like they were. Turn your head forward. It's not possible to live life walking like this. I want you to turn and see what I'm doing now. I like the way the NIV says this. This is, this is what the Lord says. He made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together. They were coming after you. But, but what God did is he laid them there and they were never to rise again. He extinguished and snuffed them out like a wick. The water came over this little fire that they were threatened by and God just took care of it. But he does say to them, forget about that now. Forget about the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Take your eyes off the past. And look at what the Spirit is doing right now. 
Now, I want to just share this with you that I think Isaiah, when he says this, he's not saying in any way to them, don't honor the past. And I want to say this to our church and to our congregation. I want to say this to you in the place that you're at. He's not talking about not honoring. He's 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 saying God did incredible things. So it's great to remember that it's good to keep that in the memory bank of your faith, because that should give you faith for what's going to happen. And I just want to say to our church and some of you who have been in this church for many years, when you talk about the things that God is doing or is going to be doing, in no way does that mean that you don't honor the past. We honor the past. It it amazes me when I go out and I'm with people in the community, how often people, when I tell them that I'm from Wyzetta Free and I pastor there, um, they'll they'll talk about the influence of the church. And it boggles my mind. I, I can't tell you how often people will say that church, Wyzetta Free, was such an important influence on my life at a certain season in my life. That's an incredibly good thing. And we praise God for that. But what happens in verse 19 is this idea. He says, forget about it. You need to, in order to move into the new, you've got to let go of that which was there and celebrate it and be thankful for it and allow it to build the faith in you to be able to see what I'm doing now. And it's new. It may not look as big. It may not be as glorious. It may not be as bright. It may be in your own life right now. You're going, God, you one time moved in my life, but, you know, I don't see you right now. And he says, you know, do you perceive me? Do you recognize me in some of these ways? So this morning, what I want to do is just share with you three words to help you recognize the work of God um, around you, where you might be able to see the presence of God and experience it and, and kind of go, wow, and be able to carry that sense of life as a presence to others. The words to help you recognize that are just three simple ones. It's, it's the word sensitivity, simplicity, and then I'm going to talk about seasons. Sensitivity. Last Thursday morning, I prayed at the, the Interfaith Outreach Breakfast. I had the opportunity to pray at the Interfaith Outreach Prayer Breakfast. And Tad Piper was speaking and basically gave his testimony about how he came to meet God. And he was a teenager. And in his teenage years in high school, he was actually addicted to uh, some substances. And, and as he was working through that, he was like the last in his class. He went to his guidance counselor and said, you know, I think I might want to go to college. And his guidance counselor said to him, well, you know what? College isn't for everybody. He had a 1.33 um, grade average. And he did tell us this. He says, you got to remember, one is a D. So the three, three, I had a, a D plus. So, um, but he actually went into treatment under, you know, some help and goes into treatment. And he's in treatment and he says, I have a moment of clarity. He comes to a place of real dependency and, and humbleness. In a sense, he comes to the end of himself. All that he was trying to do, he came to the end of himself. And I have to tell you, when you come to the end of yourself, where you may be that place today, you're at the beginning of God. You have the opportunity because Jesus would look at people and go, Buster, you are poor. Why? Because when you're poor, when you when you have nothing and you can't make it on your own through your own resources, he says, now you're in the presence there for those. The presence, the reign of God, the kingdom of God is available. You have now in the midst of your nothing, open hands for God to come with the resources to do what he might need to do in your life. And so Tad's sharing this story and saying that at a, simple, at a certain point, he said, I just I let go. I said, basically, I let go, God, and I ask for you to give me a new heart, new eyes to see you and to see how your, your spirit's working. And, and when I see your spirit work and his, his talk was faith works, when I see that I'm going to step out in faith into those things that you seem to be doing. 
And he went on to share a couple things where God, where he stepped out in faith and he said, this is not about me. So I, just, I just saw myself as a humble servant and, and I just was going to, in, in faith, step into those things. And one of those things was what God was doing in my life when I was at this college, because I actually got into a college and he, he went to a place where it was in a, with a group of people in treatment. And they started like this kind of sober dorm thing. It's called a one step program. It started actually at Augustana and they've been doing it. At, at, is it Augsburg? I think it is. Anyway, they've been doing it at this college. And he said, from there, I just continue to follow the Lord. And from there, it's now they have sober dorms and colleges all around the country. But it did start with something big. And then he shared about how they got the interfaith outreach building over there. And he shared about just the little things. And all he did was, as he saw it, God at work, and he in faith stepped into it. He began to step into it. And as he did it, he was able to help with the transaction to help move this little ILCP into a building that's now allowing for it to have this incredible ministry in our area. Kind of see what God is doing. And, and as I see it, I join into it. And it's all about sensitivity. It's about a sense of obedience and an open heart. And so the first Christmas, only a few people seemed to recognize the presence of God in Jesus. There was one man in particular who was waiting and looking and his heart was soft and dependent and humble. His eyes, in a sense, were open to what the spirit was doing around him. And his heart was waiting, looking, anticipating. Luke tells us in chapter two, these words on the 21st verse, it says on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, let me give you the picture of this guy who is really sensitive. He's able to recognize the presence of God. It says now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And you have to understand he's an older man here. He was waiting for the consolation or the help of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. See, the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. That he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he's given this promise. So he's, he's in his life, he's holding on, he's looking forward, and, and he's, he, he kind of holds on to what the Spirit of God is doing. The Spirit says to him, you know, at some point you're going to see me in a way, and I'm, I'm, in a sense prepares him for this, and his heart's soft, and it says in verse 27, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Because he was sensitive, he stayed close. So that God could actually prompt him at the right moment to move to the place he was supposed to be. Sensitive, dependent, alert. Although later in years, what I think is interesting, he wasn't jaded. He wasn't hard-hearted. I mean, it's real easy for, for you to move away and, and kind of wander from the presence of God through things such as, is, is, you know, you, you, you don't forgive or you, you move into a place where you, you, you kind of hold on to what's old and you're not happy with. And, and, and you can move into these places where jadedness and hard-heartedness and eventually an insensitivity and a bitterness because you don't keep your eyes open to what God is doing now. I was thinking about this, you know, I could define sensitivity in two ways. There's a, I was, it came to my mind, there's a sensitivity to be offended, which is something I do really well. You know, out of your selfishness, and, and you can kind of get to a place where it's really easy um, for someone to say something and, and you to take it in a sensitive way and be offended. There's a great book, um, if you ever want to read more about it, called um, The Bait of Satan, you know, that he uses bait. One of the ways he, he works so often is, is we get so filled up with ourselves that when someone does or says, or we always take it in that way. But there's a sensitivity to be apprehended. 
And as I was preparing this, I was thinking, that's, you know, the word apprehend is the idea of being taken into custody. You remember like the sheriff would come in and they would apprehend someone? There's this sense that as you stay close to God, as you keep your heart warm and soft and you, and you move into this place where you choose joy and you, you begin to rehearse in your life those things of thankfulness and you begin to read his word, you stay in this place, you open your heart. Maybe for the first time you start saying, God, I really want you to be alive and work in my heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay close to you. And as you do that, you allow for God to work in your heart and to be able to move you into these places. And then as you do that, he gives you by his spirit the ability to see what you need to move into. And so Simeon, throughout his life, kept his heart sensitive to God, aware, listening, staying close. I, I was listening to a, uh, another pastor who was sharing a story, and he was sharing a story about how he had gone to a restaurant. And at the restaurant, it was crowded, and there were you know, a number of people there, and they, were, they went up and asked the hostess, you know, how long will it take? And they, she said, it was probably 20 to 30 minutes, best guess. And so he's kind of deciding, do I stay? Not a real patient guy. You know, do I stay? And he decided, let's stay. So she handed him one of those pagers. You don't get one of those pagers that you can get at the uh, at the uh, restaurant that when it goes off, it just lights up everything and you shake with it and everything. And, and, and she said, you know, here, take these pagers. You can, he said, you know, can I look at some of the shops? She said, yeah, but stay within range. Kind of gave him an idea. So he decided to walk out and look at some of the different shops because he, again, wasn't a real patient person. He's walking out and he knew that he had started to kind of move beyond it in the range. And it had been about 20 minutes or so. And so he made his way back. He gets back. It's about 30 minutes. He comes up to the to the lady and uh, he says, you know, um, has, you know, where are we at? It's been about 30 minutes. And she goes, I'm so sorry. We buzzed your pager a couple of times, you know, at least three times. He goes, well, wait a second. She goes, you know, we, I'm sorry, we don't have a place. We gave your, your table to the next person in line. He goes, well, wait a second. You know, my pager never went off. I, I never buzzed for me. And he, she goes, well, yeah, um, and you must have wandered outside the signal. You missed your turn. And I thought about that, and I was thinking to myself, how easy it can be to wander and to not stay sensitive and to miss the things that God has right before us. I was thinking to myself, you know, here's Simeon. Here's this guy who's whatever age he is. He could have been very easy for him to kind of wander. And after a while go, you know, just imagine if it would have been about a, a week before that he decided, I'm not believing this thing anymore. And he would have missed his turn. There is something really true about the fact that if, if you want to know God and see God and begin to move into the works of God, it is important that you stay soft and close and you seek to, to be sensitive to what he's doing in your life, sensitive to what his word has to say. Some of you, maybe for the last year or so, have begun to start coming back to church. And in that sense, what you're doing is a very important thing. You're saying, I want to hear you, God. I want to move into you. I want, I want to be in a place where when it's time, you can move me. So I can go, wow. So Simeon looks at this little child and goes, wow, I got to see it. I got to carry the presence. And then there's a, another thing that um, I think is so important um, is the whole idea of, of what I call simplicity. Luke tells us in the second chapter of the gospel that the Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Now, I know we're kind of moving backwards here, so you know, are you okay if we're out of sequence a little bit? He issued a decree that a census be taken. It required for everyone to register in their hometowns. And the whole idea is that, you know, Rome is going to take these taxes. They're going to know how many people they are, just kind of like we do a census, so that we can kind of figure out how much tax money is necessary so that they can provide all the nice roads and all the police force and everything else, right? 
And not everybody in Rome was feeling that way. I mean, in, 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 in throughout the world was feeling that way. But so they, they, they go ahead and they do this and they have to all go register. And so Joseph, who belongs to the house in the line of David, Joseph and Mary, and I love the King James Version, who was great with child. Don't you like those words? You know, she was great with child. Anyway, um, he left the northern city of Nazareth and headed south to Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, here are the familiar words of the gospel in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That's the NIV. I love, again, how the King James say it, because you could probably say it with me. You've heard enough if you've gone to Christmas stories. And the King James says, because there was no room in the end. I was thinking about this, you know, over the years, how many people have probably just talked about those two words, no room? This idea of no room. How many people have shared throughout history how we are prone to get busy and crowded and things get complicated? We miss the presence of God because we're such a hurry and we're such a rush. You know, there was no room in the end. I was thinking about this, you know, what if, you know... This innkeeper, and this is how my mind works and I'm thinking of these service. What if the innkeeper was kind of a guy who said, God, I really want to stay close to you. He was a Simeon kind of guy. I want to be really sensitive. And so he's, he's just praying about it and he starts and he's waiting for that. He knew God was going to work. He wanted to see God working. He was staying sensitive and close to him. And at a certain point, the spirit of God said, you know, on such and such a day, I want you to save an extra room. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? You know, I just, and so, so the innkeeper somehow, you know, says to one of the persons, the attendants at the front, he, he looks and on such and such a day, I want you to save a room. They go, but why? We've got to try and take as many in as we can. You know what? So he goes, no, just save a room. Well, it didn't happen. I, it, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking of my dad who traveled a lot and he would go to hotels and he would from time to time come to a place because he didn't know exactly where he was going to stay and he would go into the hotel and he'd go to different hotels and he would say to the one, you know, do you have a room? And they said, we just have, there's no room here today. And he would, whether this is just a joke or he did this, I don't know, he would say to the guy, well, you know, if the President of the United States was to, you know, be here right now, would you have a room for him? And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, we'd probably have a room for him. He said, well, give me his. Um, I was thinking, what if Joseph would have just said, you know, if the Messiah King shows up tonight, would you have a room for him? Give us his. Anyway, didn't happen. But what I thought about it, and I kept thinking about this whole idea of the simplicity, uh, there is this sense where he says there's no room in the end. Throughout history, it's just been talked about the fact that one of the reasons we miss the presence of God is we have no space in our life. We don't don't have the opportunity because we get so complicated and things get so complex and, and our life is so hurried and so overwhelmed, which it happens in this season. So I'm not trying to come down on anyone. We all experience it. But the reality is it's just not a season. It's often for us a lifestyle. You know, complexity just seems to consume you so that you don't have any space and any room sir, for God to show up. And God comes knocking on your door. You can't, you can't even get into the, the space of a thought to even talk to you. And I was thinking about this whole process, and I, it reminded me of when I remember one of the first times we got a VCR, one of the first, first VCR. You know, remember those video players? Anybody remember those? I got a video player, and I remember the first one we got was really simple. You put in a tape, you push a button, and it just would record and play, that kind of thing, and stop. Yeah, I think you may have had even a pause button. Well, then they came out with these ones that 
would do everything. They would cook your dinner. They would, you know, put your kid to bed at night. I mean, and, but it, it came with a book about this big. It, it was just complicated and very complex. And you had, a, you had to go to course, you know, for, you had to take a course for a year at a college so you could use this little machine. It consumed your attention, your time and everything in order to run. There's a sense what happens is when life gets complicated, it consumes you. It takes your attention. It takes your time. It takes your energy. And the more complicated it is, the more we're trying to keep everything moving along, the harder it is in some ways for God to step in. Because there's no room for him to work in your heart and life. There's no space. There's no margin. That's why when we came off this series, when I was talking about the series of the, the Word, you know, we were talking about the, the, the importance it is just, just to, to put some margin in your life where you just stop and you read His Word, or you just take some time to reflect on His goodness and give thanks, and, and, and to start a day and choose joy, to move into that place so that your heart remains sensitive, because if your heart is sensitive, you'll be able to see those things. They may not be big things, but you'll move into them. Someday you might see a huge wow, you never know. But as God moves you into it, part of it happens because there's simplicity. The complexity that comes in our life consumes us to the point where our attention is so much on trying to complexity keep going that we miss the presence of God. I, I, I say this because this is true for us even as, as, as we plan worship services. You give us an hour and 15 minutes of your time. Some of you would like an hour only, but you know we, we take an hour and 15 minutes. And part of what we want to do is think about how do we create in here an environment where people can come in, where the Spirit of God can be at work through what we're doing, so that you can be in a place that if your heart is even sensitive at all, and you've given Him space, so if you've come here, what a wonderful thing that you've even said, I'm going to give you this space right now, an hour and 15 minutes. And then in this hour and 15 minutes, we are constantly, Joel and Andrea and the, uh, the worship team and myself, are constantly saying, God, we can get this thing so backed up to the second that you don't even have time to break into our space. And we're actually saying, God, how do, you, how, how do we do that? How do we create a little bit of space? Even the kind of space I'm sitting here watching the choir members coming down and I'm going, gosh, we should be moving this faster. You know? But my wanting it faster might be the very space that God needs in your heart to do a work. So I just ask you, do you want your heart tuned to be able to recognize the presence of God so that it's sensitive? Are you staying close to God? Or are you going to kind of miss your turn? I said as a first service, I forgot to say it in the, this service, but you almost need to turn to someone and just go, don't miss your turn. I mean, I'm serious. I am serious. Look at someone and say, don't miss your turn. Seriously, think about that. God, I don't want anyone here to miss their turn if the Spirit of God is there. Don't give up thinking and believing one week before the promise of God. Don't in any way allow unforgiveness to wrap your heart in such a way it becomes bitter that you miss the presence of God. Don't live in the sense of complete, always finding yourself complaining and upset so that your heart's not sensitive. You miss the presence of God. He says, I love for you to have a sensitive heart, that you have a simple heart, because in that simplicity, rather than complexity, there's space for me to show up. And then there's this whole idea of seasons. And I really, I really, as I was working on this, I love this idea. One day, out of the blue, three wise guys walk into the temple courts of Herod. And I've got to think about it. These are PhDs in astrophysics. 
They're really bright. They have been studying the Hebrew Scriptures and other Scriptures, waiting and looking for the times the Messiah came. The world was, in a sense, aware of the fact that at some point in the near future, this world ruler would appear. And many of them had thought, in some ways, it was Caesar Augustus. But many knew that that wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't God in that. These guys are looking and they perceive in a star, as a result of their study, the presence of God. And they, with sensitivity, enough space in their life, simply follow after that star. And as they follow that star, it leads them to where they know they're supposed to be in the land of Judah. The, that area was where this king would show up. So where do you go? You go to the city of Jerusalem. Where do you go? You go to the king and you say to the king, where's the newborn king being born? And then Matthew tells us, they asked around, where, are we, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed the star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on pilgrimage to worship him. Now, catch this. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. So these three guys showing up wasn't just something hush-hush in the little palace courts. It was all throughout Jerusalem. People were talking about it. And one of the people, groups of people talking about it were the religious people, the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and others. And it says he gathered, Herod did all the high priests and religion scholars in the city together and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him Bethlehem, Judah territory. Now, this, this floors me. Why didn't those priests, those religious people, go and seek after the presence? What in the world's going on with them? It's what their life is about. And they can't even reflect the work of God. They can't even move into it. But these three guys who are from the outside, and it seems that God always takes people who are in the place where they're sensitive and there's space in their life for it. He takes the people you don't expect and he sends them to start moving them. And, and they are in the season of it all. And they don't recognize one of the greatest revelations of God through the birth of Jesus. What's going on? And then I started thinking about this again, my mind thinking as I was preparing and going through this. Have you noticed how we as people who go to church and are pretty religious by those standards of the world, we don't like to say we have a relationship with Jesus, but we're not. Re well, yeah, religious in the sense that we observe on a regular basis things that are in our faith. Have you ever noticed how we love to throw around the, the phrase that we know the reason for the season? Almost kind of proudly. You know, almost in a smug kind of way, yeah, we, we, we know the reason for the season. It's not Frosty or Rudolph. We know it's not Santa, but we know it's Jesus. And in a smug kind of way, we take it, our pride in the ability to perceive the reality that as we come into this season, it's not about Christmas trees or office parties or it's not about gift giving. It's about the great gift that came through the presence of Jesus, the Christ child. Yet I was thinking about it. We may know the season in this sense. We may even know the history of the season, but how often... How often do we live with the reality of his presence in the very season we're in in life? How about right now in the season you're in? How often do you know the reason for the season? You may not even know the reason for the season, but how often do you see and perceive and, and recognize the presence of God? 
And I sometimes think the way that we live in the office and in the neighborhood and in our schools and where we are at, we look a lot like this photo that has been showing around lately that you've seen. That people look at us and go, they don't get it either. Right? I find in myself, I think the way that God has wired me, I have this sense that sometimes I find that I am always kind of wanting to move into the next season. I'm anticipating. I'm not one who lives so much in the past. I don't have that message of letting go. I have more the message of I want to get here. Because if I just get here, you know, I'll see the presence of God. You know, when I was in high school, I couldn't wait for college. Because I just get out of high school, I could be in college, and that's, man, that's the place where it'd be good. Life is easy, and I look back and I go, it was. Um, and then you're in college, and you can't wait to get out of college and start your career, right? You're constantly in this kind of this next season life kind of thing. You're single, and you desire companionship. You're lonely. You think, I just can't wait to get married. And then you get married. Um, and you recognize at times you're really honest about it. When you're actually living with someone who's close to you, sometimes you can feel more lonely than you did when you're single. And then you, you can't wait for the next season. You're constantly not living for the reason for the season that's right in front of you where you can be aware of the presence of God. So you get married and then you can't wait to have kids. And then you finally get a kid in you and you can't wait to get the kid out of you, right? That kind of thing. And then you get kids, you think you can't wait because they're so little and they're always running around and they're just so hard. And you just go, I can't wait till they can feed themselves. I can't wait till they get into school. That's the ticket. That's the season. And I have to admit, there is a great season when you have kids. When they're about 7 to 12 years of age, it is a great time. They're almost like little angels. They're really good. And, and you look like you're really great parents. And then they move from 12 to the teens, 13, 14. And you kind of go, what happened here? And you look like the worst parent that's ever come around. And then you can't, you can't help but you start thinking, I can't wait till they go to college. I can't wait till I have the empty nest. And, and then you can't wait someday till you get to a point in your career or maybe you can retire. And it's, what, what season are you constantly trying to move towards? And God says, you know what? I want to show up right where you're at. It's so easy. You look at other people's seasons. Sometimes you look at another person's season. You look out there and you go, I just really want that season. Boy, if I could just have that, if I could live in that person's season. And then you don't realize that, you know what, to get to that season, it took a whole lot of struggle. You know, you realize how much struggle there is in this season and that person to get to this season has struggled to get through it. And here's something you need to know that I really believe is important to understand. When we talk about the presence of God, you will find this, that in every season you will face a struggle there in, in every season. There is a struggle to face. Okay, what season you're in. In every season you're in, there's a there's a struggle you will face. And the reason for the season may not be apparent to you now, but you need to know that God's at work. I, I had this story that was sent to me this week, and I thought it was good, so I'll, I'll read it to you. It's between the fern, it's called the fern and the bamboo, and you may have heard this, but one day a person said, I decided to quit. I quit my job, my relationship, my spirituality. I wanted to quit my life. And so I went to the woods to have one last talk with God. God, I said, can you give me one good reason not to quit? His answer surprised me. Look around, he said, do you see the fern and the bamboo? Yes, I replied. And, when I, and, and he said, when I planted the fern and the bamboo seeds, 
I took very good care of them, and I gave them light, and I gave them water. The fern quickly grew from the earth. Its brilliant green covered the floor, yet nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo seed. In the second year, the fern grew even more vibrant and plentiful. And again, looking at the bamboo seed, nothing. But God said, I did not quit on the bamboo seed. He said in the third year, there was still nothing from the bamboo seed. But I didn't quit on the bamboo seed. In the fourth year, again, there was nothing from the bamboo seed. I still did not quit. He said, then in the fifth year, a tiny sprout emerged from the earth. Compared to the fern, it was seemingly small and insignificant. But just six months later, the bamboo rose to over 100 feet tall. You know what you don't realize? It had spent five years growing roots. You couldn't perceive that. Those roots made it strong, which allowed for it to survive and to grow. And he said, I, I would not give anything I have created. I will not give to anything I've created a challenge it cannot handle. And he said, did you know that all this time that you've been struggling, you've actually been growing roots? I would not quit on the bamboo. I will never quit on you. So take your eyes off the past or comparing yourself to others. The bamboo has a different purpose than the fern, yet they both make the forest beautiful. Your time will come. I just want to share with you, we can get so glib about the reason for the season, but I think one of the things that God wants us to do is to live in the season we're in and to recognize the fact that every one of us will struggle in a season. But you know what? You can, you can actually find God in those seasons in ways that you can't find Him in others. I, I talk to people, if you're in a season of struggle right now, you're really in a, you know, it's not a little struggle, there's a struggle. I talk to people, and if you talk to people who have at a certain point, you look at their season now, and you go, boy, they got everything by the tail. They're in great shape, although they, they have their own struggles. They'll tell you they would not exchange that season back there, because in that season... They saw and met God in ways they would never, ever be able to experience what they're now experiencing if they hadn't gone through that. And so you may be like a bamboo for a little bit here, and you may not see a whole lot, but you need to perceive the fact God is doing something. If you are staying sensitive and close to just think of Simeon at age 30, maybe getting this, and 40, and then 50, and then 60, and then 65, and then 70. And he's just going, I, and God's saying, I am growing roots in you for what I want you to see, for how I will use you. Now, I'll just share with you one other thing, and I'm past the time, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that is, not only is there a struggle you're going to face, but I want to share with you this. There is, in your season right now, there is a reason and there is a strength for you to grasp. There is a strength for you to grasp. If you stay sensitive, you allow for that simplicity to give you space and room for God to work. There is not only the struggle, but there's a strength. God is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? About two to three years ago, for myself, I entered into this really difficult and challenging season with my parents who are in their 80s. And some of you know and have experienced that. I, I noticed 
um, my mother's memory difficulties. And it was difficult because it's really hard to help people who don't want to be helped. And how do you come around that? I mean, I can just tell you the whole process has been trying and exhausting and frustrating and often overwhelming. We moved them from a home in Naples and then moved them three other times in the last about six months. And at one point in the process, I, I had a good friend who works with aging parents whose mother also had Alzheimer's and just recently passed away. This friend of mine said, you know what, you need to you need to do this in the midst of this season you're in, in 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 bitterness. Look for times of sweetness. I'm going to I'm going to challenge you basically to find the strengths in the midst of some of this overwhelming pain. Look for the good. And so as I've been trying to go through that, I've been trying to apply that and say, you know, in this season, there is struggle and I can meet God. He can come into my weakness. But at the same time, there maybe are some strengths, some things that I need to see. So God, help me have an open heart and stay sensitive and make room for that. And there's been a number of things that have been happening. I've been learning how to love and support parents in a way that I never had before. What a wonderful thing. I've actually grown deeper compassion as a pastor, knowing what's going on in some people's lives. I've learned to cherish moments that are when they're not crazy and frustrating. You know what I mean? My friend suggested uh, I look for moments to enjoy my parents in new ways. And that began to become a space that I was creating in my heart so that I could do that. And I had one of those moments this past fall. We were moving my parents from a custodial care facility to a memory care facility. We were moving from Rockford, about an hour and a half drive, to a place in Gurney. And I was with my mom, and, and she had been up in a, in a place where, I mean, I just won't go into all where her mind was at, but I had her, let's get some, I had her get in the car with me. And as we drove, she had clarity like I remember as a kid. We drove for an hour and a half. It was pouring rain, and we stopped at a place because she knew kind of this route. She hadn't taken a lot, but she knew it somewhat. So there, I could tell there was mo- the clarity was really real. We stopped at a bakery where she had gotten some bakery goods at one point that, that I remember as a kid. And we just had this incredible hour and a half. And I remember it got done, and I just said, God, thank you for that gift. In the midst of all this bitterness, I could have missed it. I mean, seriously, and God, with sensitivity in space, when you give that simplicity, you kind of grab the season and say, God, in this season, in this moment, I am going to keep my eyes on what you're doing. And I ask you this. God's doing things in your life. Do you perceive it?